Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. We appreciate you so much joining us on the journey. Roger, we are in a four-part series. This is part two of a series we've called We Do Not Know What to Pray For. And I think there's a lot of people that just can connect with that title because there are times we just don't know what to pray. That's actually a biblical expression. It comes from the book of Romans in chapter 8 and verse 26 where the passage says, and he searches the hearts Excuse me. In the same way, the Spirit also helps with our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. As we mentioned in our very first lesson, this wasn't a matter of prayer 101, learning the mechanics. Uh, it, it was more because of the pressing in of the times and the troublesome times that they were in. They didn't know what to pray. And we find the same thing. We just don't know what words to say. We don't know which direction to pray. I've had people come to me, and they have a a loved one who is on death's bed. Do I pray for them to get better, or do I pray for the Lord to take them? And we just do not know. Here we are a week later from when we began this, and the war still goes on in Europe. People are still dying, and there's a lot of uncertainty in the air. Just what am I supposed to pray? And that is something that we really want to put uh, a lot of layers on because so easy when times are tough that somebody will just say, well, pray about it. And that sounds like a great solution. But then we go to the quietness of our homes and we think, well, what should I pray? What, what am I supposed to say? And that's what we're trying to look at in this series. Especially in light of these world events, uh, Roger, it seems appropriate that we would look at, at two psalms. And so if someone is reading along in their Bible, we invite you to open to Psalm 2. I will read this Psalm 2 for you. And then, Roger, I'm just going to ask you what stands out to you. We'll move from Psalm 2 that reminds us of what is true and speaks even to the the powers that be, I would argue, even in the 21st century. And then we'll move to a second psalm before we're done that maybe gives us some fuel as to things to pray, even specifically this week. So let me start with Psalm 2, where the psalmist asks, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain. Already, we've got great relevance to what is going on in today's world. He continues in verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And so the psalmist pivots in verse 7. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. 
Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Roger, as you read that in light of everything going on in the world around us, what stands out to you? Well, this is typical of a lot of Psalms. It's kind of a pattern we find. And he begins with a problem. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Then he quickly moves to God. And he puts God right where he belongs, on the throne. And then he ends this by some spiritual reminders that will help us through those times. So he begins with a question. Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? And all you have to do is turn on the nightly news and everyone thinks Putin's gone nuts. Some people think he's trying to restore old Russia. Some people think this. You know, why are the nations fighting? Well, there's a lot of answers to that. One could be pride. One could be unsettled hearts. A lot of it has to do with sin. And the psalmist is seeing all this, and the kings, verse 2, of the earth take their stand. The rulers take counsel together uh, against the Lord, against his anointed, so that there's like the gathering of the forces, and they're all against God's people. Israel would have been at that time when this was written, and he's just wondering why. why you know, what have we done? We haven't done anything wrong. Well, that's that's common to violence, common to crime, common to wars, and with God out of the picture, there is no answer. Well, you know, why is this? And things are gloom and doom without God in this. I hear them saying in verse 3, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their, their cords from us. It's as if these powerful people are saying, there isn't any God who's going to hold us accountable. I can do what I want to do because I'm strong and my neighbor is weak. I, I have the army. They don't. There are lots of powerful people who have acted as if I can do anything I want, no strings attached, no accountability throughout the history of the earth. And maybe as we see people like that, our, our faith begins to waver. We find ourselves in one of these valleys that you talked with us about this past Sunday. So where does he move from there? From there, he moves to God. And, and I think that right there, that transition is, is a powerful helping point. We see the problems, but we focus upon the Lord. We see the problems, but our eyes turn to heaven. And when we don't do that, we continue looking at the problem, and trouble seems to mount, and we, we become overcome because of that. So, so in verses 4 through 9, he's focusing upon God. He who sits in the heaven laughs. What a great expression that is. I mean, you, you can see those mighty Egyptians chasing Israel, Red Sea on one side, here comes the Egyptians on the other side, Pharaoh you know, beating his horse as fast as he can to get there, thinking we have crushed him. And God just smiles and you're nothing. You are nothing. Here's mighty Assyria, the mighty Philistines, the mighty Babylonians, nation after nation after nation. And they think, well, we got chariots, we got weapons, we've got arrows, we got spears. Today, we've got missiles and tanks and nuclear things. And God says, that's nothing. That's a, I'm God. I'm God. 
he can send one angel and destroy thousands if he wills. And so, so the psalmist transitions from these mighty earthly rulers to looking at God, and it's almost as if God's smiling and saying, that's nothing. I can handle this. You know, verse 5 is a, <laughs> a terrifying and a sobering and a comforting thought, I think, all wrapped up into one. It pictures God as speaking to these noisy, raging nations in his wrath and terrifying them in his fury. What an awesome thought to think, okay, to to allow this to settle in our minds. Egyptian chariots are nothing in comparison with the wrath of God. Roman legions are nothing compared to the fury of God. I think we could just as easily say all of the nuclear missiles in all of the world, could could they wreak absolute havoc on the, the physical earth on which we dwell? Well, yeah, they could, no, no doubt. And, and that is an unsettling thought. However, whatever fury and wrath and destruction can be wrought by our greatest weapons of the 21st century, it is nothing. It is a drop in the bucket, a flash in the pan compared to the wrath and fury of God. And there's there's a great contrast taking place here in the Psalms. It's kind of a subtle contrast but in verse 1, when the nations made the uproar, they're, they're, they're mounting their troops, things are getting bad, the psalmist is scared, he sees all this going on, but then when we come to this section about the Lord, he will speak to them in his anger, he's going to terrify them. He's going to terrify Now, all of a sudden, the fear switches. The fear switches from the psalmist seeing all these nations to the nations themselves are going to be afraid of God because of what he can do. And again, it, it reminds us that God is greater than anything. Now, he pivots from here to talking about his own king, right? He, he does. And and here in 7, 8, 9, he talks about this kind of messianic. He talks about Jesus here without saying the name Jesus. But he talks about his son and how he's going to anoint him and how he's going to rule. And so the contrast in this, as, as he's looking forward to Jesus ruling and Jesus being the king, he's looking to that, that, again, these nations are not going to change the will of God. They're not going to uproot what God has said. What God has got planned is going to be fulfilled. We talk about the Egyptian empire in terms of history, right? We talk about the Roman empire. It was awesome, but it came and went. We can talk about the Assyrians. We can talk about the Persians, the Babylonians, whoever you want to talk about. Those kingdoms have come and gone. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ stands. It's pictured in Daniel chapter 2 as the stone that breaks all other kingdoms. It is the kingdom of Christ that spreads over all of the world. It is the kingdom of Christ that will stand Forever. And so if this world stands long enough, we've got every reason to believe that the countries, nations, empires of today, they will come, they will go, but the kingdom of Jesus is not threatened by any of that. And we need to remind ourselves right here and right now that 
sometimes our pride as Americans can kind of deceive ourselves even on this. Yeah. Uh, how many times we hear people say we are the mightiest nation on the on the earth? We we are the greatest power. We are a world power. We got to be careful. God's greater than we are, and God has a place for us. And when He's fulfilled His will with us, things will change. And so we need to see that our might and our trust and our future is not in an American flag; it's in the banner of Christ. So that is a nice segue to the last section of Psalm 2. He begins with what he sees in the nations around. Uh, He reminds himself of God. Uh, He points to the king of all kings that would eventually come, and of course, from our vantage point, has come in the form of Jesus. Verses 10, 11, and 12, Roger, he speaks once again to these kings. Yes, instead of gathering to make war, he tells the kings what they need to do. Verse 10, now therefore, O kings, show discernment. You need to be thinking about what you're doing here. Take warning, it says in, in verse 10, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence. They have not been doing that. And as they gather their war plans, he's saying, you better think about what you're doing. He tells them as he furthers on in, in verse 11 to worship. Then verse 12, do homage or kiss the sun. Do not become angry and perish in your way, for his wrath will soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. The idea of discernment, worshiping, homage to the son, following uh, the king and taking refuge in him, that's going to be a change of their direction. You're going to put down your war sticks, and you're going to pick, pick up the heart of a Christian. You're going to do what God wants you to do. He's telling them to reform their ways before he comes and settles it, and only God will win. Yeah, it's ultimately a reminder that we are all accountable to this king of all kings, right? I can either choose to kiss the sun, and I don't know about you, Roger, but when I think of that, I think of, okay, in ancient times, if I were appearing before someone in great authority, a king or a queen, what would I do? Well, I would humbly approach, I would kneel and perhaps kiss their hand. I would express homage by kissing their royal ring. It's it's submission, right? I, I am under your rule. And that is what even the greatest human beings on earth are being reminded of here at the end of Psalm 2. I can either choose to Last line of the psalm, take refuge in this good king, or I will eventually be shattered by this king. And and our base word worship really means to kiss forward. That's the definition of that word. It's to give the worth of someone. So the king's got to quit taking their eyes or got to take their eyes off themselves and thinking that they're the greatest things on the face of the earth and there's no power next to them. And they need to look heavenward and realize that's who they need to bow to. That's who they need to reverence their hearts to and to kiss forward or to worship the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. All right. So Psalm 2 reminds us of what is true. And that is sometimes more than half the battle when it comes to prayer knowing what to pray. Speaking of refuge there at the end of Psalm 2, that reminds me of Psalm 46. And we won't take the time to read the entire psalm. Let me just hit a couple of the the high relevant points here. It begins on the note of refuge. Psalm 46, God is 
our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now listen to verse 2. Therefore, it's as if, okay, we've taken into account all of those things that are true in Psalm 2 and Psalm 46 verse 1. Here's the therefore. We will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so in verse 6, we've got familiar language. Nations are raging. Kingdoms are tottering. The psalmist says, the Lord of hosts is with us. He invites his readers in verse 8, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Verse 9, he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then he speaks in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Roger, with Psalm 2, Psalm 46 in mind, give us a couple of things that we can pray for this week. You know, it's really interesting in 46 too, as you read, it talks about the mountains slipping into the heart of the sea, yeah. the earth changing, but he says, we will not fear. Yeah. We will not fear. And then again in verse 10, cease driving, calm down. So what, what we can pray about, first of all, is the world conditions that they are in and pray that God will change the hearts of some of these kings and leaders. We can pray that we will have the right heart and the right resolute mind through some of these things. We will pray that we will be examples to those around us who don't have the faith in God. And as as they f- fill their hearts with fear and uncertainty, we can be the beacon of light in what's right. Uh, help us to be careful of the words we use and our attitudes. Be careful what we put on Facebook and what we like. And to remember to worship God. That That's running through all these chapters is to worship God because he is the one who's in charge. And so it's not Russia who's in charge. It's not the Ukraine. It's not America. It's God who's in charge. And even though we don't know the outcome, we may not know the purpose of all this, his will is always done. And so as Jesus himself faced the greatest valley he's ever in, facing death, he said, not my will, thy will be done. And so those are some things we pray. We pray that the will of God will be manifest. We pray that we will be strong and we will be helpful to our families and our church families, that we will be you know, instruments to help other people, to be encouragers, to be those who point people to the Bible Look at this passage. Look at these verses. Remind yourselves, God is in charge. Don't be fearful, but be confident because of God. We should absolutely be praying for brothers and sisters in that part of the world, right? We have brethren in Ukraine. We have brethren in Russia. We have brethren in Eastern Europe who, of course, don't know uh, what... Uh, the immediate future holds. We can use Psalm 46 to pray for them, that God would be a refuge and a strength for them, a very 
present help in trouble. And then, Roger, I, I especially appreciate what you said earlier, just echoing Psalm 46, verse 10. We can ultimately pray that somehow, some way, God would be exalted among the nations even in the midst of this turmoil, that he would be exalted in all of the earth. That starts with me and the way I shine as a light in this world. I think you know, I think another way we could phrase verse 10 is simply calm down. Yeah. Calm down and be spiritual. You know, there's a lot of things being said and there's a lot of people running on emotions. There's a lot of people filled with anger, a lot of things being said that probably shouldn't be said. Don't follow in the mob, mob mentality and getting caught up in those things. Just calm down. Cease striving. Be still. It's like just sit down and don't say a word and look heavenward. That's the answer. Now, a lot of times in discussions like this, uh, the flow of conversation will naturally eventually flow towards, okay, can I pray for enemies to be defeated? Can I pray for countries to fall? Can I pray for kings or princes or presidents to be toppled? And that's that's an interesting question that we want to pick up, Lord willing, next Friday. We're going to continue to lean on the Psalms. We mentioned last week that there is a class or a genre of Psalms called the imprecatory Psalms. And sometimes they're uncomfortable to read. They are Psalms for dark times and difficult situations. We'll dive into those, Lord willing, next Friday. In the meantime, we encourage you to root yourself firmly in the truth affirmed in the last verse of Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. Let's pray like we believe that today. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come. <music> 